Welcome to Right Spokane Perspective with your hosts, Mike Fagan and Tim Ben. We're opinion, fact, informative, and your alert system. Now let's get ready to rumble. Good day once again, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for joining Mike and Tim on more closures, encampments, and our military. This Monday episode here on Right Spokane Perspective. I hope everybody out there is safe and sane. And by the way, there is no city council meeting tonight. That city council agenda and action and activities begin again the 23rd of January. And I'm telling you something, folks, there's going to be a whopper of an issue on that particular agenda. And we are definitely raising the alarms right now to see if we can encourage a lot of folks to head on down. What is going to be voted on and deliberated on this coming uh, Monday, the 23rd, would be the fact that the city council is basically locked out the landlords, some limited public testimony regarding their new tenant landlord ordinance. This is not going to be a good ordinance for property owners, landlords, whether they be the large corporate type or the small mom and pops. And as well, ladies and gentlemen, this is definitely going to be establishing a precedence here in Washington state. I am sure. And it's going to be raising, you know, the bar for, I mean, especially the smaller landlords to deal with the bureaucratic nature of new regulation on the landlords, like what we had covered in the past, like making sure their tenants are registered to vote kind of stuff. Exactly. Like how do you, you know, deal with a bureaucracy? and say, yes, no, we harassed them to get, we, uh, we went around and we, you know, handed out voter registration forms or it came with the packet for, you know, all of those things that maybe the bigger corporate ones can handle that. But I, I think it just is going to increase the cost to the consumer, right? People are already struggling to pay the bills and pay rent. We shouldn't be adding more burdens to people who are providing rental property because they're just going to pass those costs on to people who are already struggling to pay the current rent. Oh, you betcha, man. It is definitely very, very important that you now, that's are not, paying attention that's next not Monday tonight. night. That's next Monday night. That that's, is correct. Uh, what is it? Uh, uh, th- this Monday is uh, Martin Luther King Day, right? Yeah, the 16th. So it's the following Monday that you're looking at that meeting. Maybe it'll be on the 23rd meeting. Maybe they'll push it off. I don't know. We'll have to keep an eye on that. You bet. And as well, we're definitely going to work hard uh, this week to see if we can't get a representative in from the local landlord association to educate and inform us a little bit more deeper for sure now who's in the mirror the psychologist conducting the self-recognition tests asked children at 18 months or younger children don't usually associate themselves with the image in the mirror but as kids grow they can understand that they're looking at themselves self-recognition is an important mark of healthy growth and maturation it's also important to the growth of believers in jesus james outlines a mirror recognition test The mirror is the word of truth from God. When we read scriptures, what do we see? Do we recognize ourselves when they describe love and humility? Do we see our own actions when we read what God commands us to do? When we look into our hearts and test our actions, scripture can help us recognize if our actions are in line with what God desires for us or if we need to seek repentance and make a change. James cautions us not to just read scriptures and turn away and so deceive ourselves, forgetting what we've taken in. The Bible provides us with the map to live wisely according to God's plans. As we read it, meditate on it, and digest it, we can ask him to give us the eyes to see into our heart and the strength to make necessary changes. 
You know the drill, folks. Father God, you are a loving God. Please help us use the scriptures as a mirror into our lives, our motives, and our actions. In your son's Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Well, definitely, uh, you know, in the thinking about looking in the mirror, Mike, I think we're going to have to look a little bit deeper because many of us are going to be having more trouble finding hair care products, bathroom and lotions and different things like that because we went off Friday's show talking about the closures of like Bed and Bath and Beyond stores, you know, Macy's and stores like that. You know, thinking about this massive closure of stores, you're also going to have a massive amount of people that may not be able to buy all those beauty products in their budgets anymore. So we might not be as pretty of a nation once this economic ruin is over, but you had more stores to cover that yes, could we be did. closing. As a matter of fact, I want to just quickly do a recap. Store number one is Macy's. They're talking about closing down 125 locations. They've already shut down 33 stores as of this last December. We are talking about one quarter of the stores will be remaining open in order to deal with customers. We already know here in the Spokane area that we do have some Macy stores that have shut down. The next store would be the Bed Bath and Beyond and altogether 150 stores in the Bed Bath and Beyond lineup are included to be closing sometime this year. The next store that we're talking about would be Sears and all 115 branches that are left standing right now Sears is going to basically be closing. There is a beauty store known as Morph or Morphe. Never heard of these guys, but they are another store that is getting ready to go away. (laughs) And then we have Joanne Stores, the arts and crafts supply store. It would be closing eight locations across the United States during 2023, but these guys have got at least another 840 stores across the world that they are going to allow to stay open. And now we get to the point where we ended up having to finish up on Friday and we bring up the name Kroger. Now, people have been hearing the name Kroger in the news here for at least the last month because Safeway and Albertsons was supposed to have been purchased by the Kroger Food Corporation. And believe it or not, Sideshow Bob Ferguson ended up stepping into some private business dealings here, and he has now filed a lawsuit against Kroger, saying that the merger between Safeway and Albertsons would not be a good deal for the citizenry in Washington State. Well, they're kind of looking at the antitrust laws. I mean, you, we, we know that Kroger store, I forget the amount in, I think it was $220 million a month or something like that was the Walmart brand, and had Kroger purchased Safeway and Albertsons, their brand would have been uh, bringing in just a little less than that every single month because they wanted to, you know, look at those numbers and challenge these antitrust issues when we are talking about monopolies. Oh, yeah. You how, many, how many stores do you have to pick from? You know, when you're, you know, Costco, Winco, Walmart, and Kroger pretty much becomes it, you know, for the big box stores. And so in Kroger encompassing Fred Meyer. And so I think that him stepping in is kind of interesting because Kroger said they're going to close how many stores? And this is before the mergers. They did not indicate how how many stores that they were going to end up closing. So they, they're going to close some stores, but we look at a merger. So you have something like that occur. How many Walmarts do we have? Oh, right. Got to be a ton of them. Well, and obviously it, we've had Walmart stores that have been shuttered too. Well, but if you look at Walmart stores in the whole entire city of Spokane, what is there? Three? Uh, yeah. So, so how many Safeways do you have? 
Uh, a ton. Yeah, a ton. Okay. How many Albertsons do you have? A yeah. few. Right. And so if you take those and you say, well, we're going to, and how many, how many Fred Myers do you have? Well, we have one less on, on Francis that closed years back. Yeah. So you got one out North, just, uh, I think it's just outside the city limits out North, you know, so you've got a few, you know, one down on third, but if you have Kroger buy out another major brand, is it going to benefit them to keep all of those locations open? Cause the logistics of keeping the stores operating, they can just do more volume. Yeah. That's right. So why keep old stores, smaller stores operating when you just make your consumer hop on the rapid STA bus and uh, head out north or head out east or, head, you know, go to one of the locations they left open. So if Kroger were to buy out Safeway and Albertsons, now this is more of a West Coast problem. I don't know how much uh, Midwest, East Coast, those brands are anyhow in Safeway and Albertsons, but you're going to see a ton of store closures just due to that buyout because they're going to consolidate and look at store volumes and keep open the stores that are going to have the highest amount of volume. The slow volume right. stores will uh, go to the wayside. Yeah, you bet. And, you know, once again, I mean, these food stores, the grocery stores and whatnot, they're about the same size as these department stores. So every time you end up closing one of those locations, you've got anywhere between 50 and 100 employees that are going At off least, yeah. to unemployment for sure. Right. All right. The story continues. Likewise, Family Dollar announced late last year that some of its stores are going to go bye-bye. Even though bargain or dollar stores have done well through the pandemic, as shoppers face economic uncertainty and inflation, Family Dollar will still close their Ohio and Wisconsin locations. Wow. Wow. That is just mind-blowing, man. Yeah, that's pretty big. So, you know, there, there could be, as we said in the title, there could be more homelessness. I mean, one of the things that happens, you know, you look at small towns, Mike, where there was the mill or there was, you know, you had the lumber industry or it was mining. It's amazing where a lot of folks in big cities think that drug problems are more central to just large cities. Right. But that's not really how it works because the drug cartels are like most distribution systems and they found ways to push drugs out where they think there's consumers and in places of poverty and despair, people succumb to drug addictions. Mm -hmm. And one of those places just happens to be smaller towns where the, the booming economy was going when the mine was open, right? Right. And that sort of thing. Depending on what kept a small town going, it's pretty amazing. You go look in the history of some of these little small towns or ghost towns, and, you know, they had a boom, and people did really well. They made some money, and then something occurred. Maybe they lost the gold vein, or they, you know, were shut down because they were not environmentally friendly or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. So you have poverty, which brings drug addiction. So I think we're going to see a massive boom with a lot of these closures and more people unemployed in drugs and drug use. And what's happened to some of these small towns is this homeless crisis has been exasperated by certain economic trends like closing mills, centralization of manufacturing, outsourcing other countries, bringing in things, steel, all different kinds of products that we use to manufacture from raw goods to market here in the United States. But those that movement from these small town America has moved into the cities where this new industry has really blossomed. And the new industry is homelessness. Right. And, the, and in this new industry, it's a lot of nonprofits, but they also have suppliers too. Right. So, you know, when you're talking about cleaning services and, you know, all different kinds of services that would service a homeless shelter, food services, all of those kinds of things, 
you're seeing a new industry become developed and people are starting to notice that. So there was an article, well, actually there's been tons of articles in the newspaper about homelessness in the recent year, but there was actually a letter to the editor written. And when we come back from the break, I want to hit this letter because I think it's interesting how they're looking at just one small focus of the spending on homelessness. And it's just a, a little, just a tiny, what lawmakers would call budget dust. Yes. It's one tiny little thing that is being spent, but it shows a larger picture and problem because this is just so tiny. It's talking about a hundred people in this letter to the editor when we're talking about taking care of thousands of people. And we know that as we're all the economic, uh, economic newspapers and economists are saying, Watch out 2023, we're going to be seeing real big declines in certain sectors of the economy. And so I think the homelessness really could get worse. And if we don't do some things policy-wise to block the, the past stupid policies that got us to where we are, we're going to have real big problems in places like the city of Spokane or other places where they've implemented just throw more money at it and we'll take care of the people because that really hasn't occurred. Anyway, we got to take a break. Are you considering selling or buying a home this year? Call Jennifer Swisher at 509-220-5373. Perhaps you'd like to buy a home and have been discouraged by the high prices and lack of inventory. In this challenging market, you want to have an ethical advocate, a real estate agent with years of local experience and proven results. So what are others saying about Jennifer Swisher? Well, Bob and Debbie Johnson had this to say. We've used Jennifer Swisher for four deals over the years. She's been professional, timely, and kept us well-informed each time. We plan on staying in our current home for a while, but when we move again, we wouldn't use anyone else for selling our current home. How about Ross Kappen? Here's what he had to say. Jennifer went so far and beyond for me, it was unbelievable. She will always be my prize fighter. I honestly lost my funding three times, and every time Jennifer came back with a new idea on how to make the sale work. Thank you so much, Jennifer Swisher. How about Lexi Reagan? Here's what she had to say. We used Jennifer to buy our house three years ago. I highly recommend her to anyone. She's responsive, kind, understanding, knowledgeable, and wants the very best for you. Call Jennifer now at 509-220-5373. And welcome back from the break, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks for rejoining Mike and Tim on more closures, encampments, and our military this Monday episode here on right spokane perspective so this article i was talking about as we jumped off into the into the break was a letter to the editor and i was kind of shocked to see it printed i wouldn't be i mean it'd be really really cool to get an individual's perspective somebody who is not in the industry somebody who is not an elected official you know just a joe john q public kind of thing right and so here it is the the title of this is the cost of being homeless And it says, the Catalyst Project run by Catholic Charities is now open in the West Hills neighborhood. About $9.25 million of our tax dollars were used to purchase and rehab the building, and then we gifted the building to Catholic Charities. Annual operating cost, also our tax dollars, is $5.5 million for 100 people. That is $55,000 per person per year of our tax dollars going to Catholic Charities. The Spokesman Review has said that there are as many as 14,000 homeless in Spokane County. If we are to expand the model of the Catalyst Project to the house to house all of the Camp Hope and the other homeless in our community, the cost is 
completely unsustainable. 14,000 homeless times 55,000 per year per person per year is $770 million per year. There are 200,583 employed people in Spokane County. For every working person in Spokane County, that is $3,839 annually to house the homeless. Mm-hmm. $3,839. And you know what? I noticed that he ended up making a mistake in his math because he should have included the nine plus million dollars that was used to buy that building. The initial nine million. That's well, and, right. and, and I'm not, I'm just reading what he said. I'm not going to exactly. debate any of his, his but claims But you know here, what? But- Coincidentally, Tim, if you were to take that 5.5 and that nine million, add it together and then divide it by the hundred people, you're going to hit almost where Inslee says he's budgeted for homeless individuals. $120,000 per homeless individual. Well, let let me finish this before we jump off into the rest of the cost there. So he says $3,839 annually to house the homeless for every single resident in the county. For every working person, okay? Every working person, not every resident, every working person. So he says every waitress, every grocery box boy, every fast food cook would pay $320 per month to house the homeless unacceptable the tax dollars flowing towards this problem are doing one thing making catholic charities and the people in their office very rich the homeless are just cannon fodder is what he said and his name is Stuart. this was from last friday's paper and it's an interesting thing to because he only got to write you know what is it 250 words or something to the letter to the yeah editor. whatever the letter to the editor is yeah so you look at this as a as a much broader issue not just homelessness, because we know a lot of homelessness is drug addiction. Right. Then you start looking at how much we're spending on drug addiction, how much we're spending on on rehab programs where people go over and over and over again. Sometimes they just go to get the more free stuff, you know, getting it in line for programs that they know exist out there for people that have done or are doing rehab. And so then you look at the cost of all those programs, then you know, okay, well, we got a lot of these folks that are on government subsidies of different forms. Food stamps, they're getting cash also on the cash side of their welfare cards. You know, whether it's a few hundred dollars in cash, a few hundred dollars in food stamps, you add that to the cost. So like you said, if it's $120,000 for 100 people at this one complex run by the Catholic Charities, and he's kind of targeting Catholic Charities a little bit, but there's lots of organizations that want a piece of this pie. Oh, yeah, there sure are. Whether it's, you know, the mental health thing, obviously we want to dump more money into mental health, but... Are we spending the money in mental health the same way we're spending the money for housing? I mean, even at his lower number that you were kind of disputing because the actual cost. Sure, sure. He said $55,000 per year per homeless person. That's insane. Right. That's insane. It and, is. And, and so you look at all the other money and, and now we got to dig into it's not per person because we know that not every single night, every single bed will be full by the same individual these homeless individuals go around from program to program to program, scamming them, you know, working what they can until they cause a problem. They get 86. They get told, okay, don't come back here. You cause too many problems with the rest of our residents. So then they go to another homeless shelter that houses another couple hundred people for, you know, hundreds of thousands of dollars a month right. for, for their budgets. So this is a massive problem that our politicians need to start looking at sitting down and thinking hard and fast because the COVID money is going to run out. Yeah, that is for sure. There's not going to be the money. We got retailers that are shutting down in the city limits. We know that the retailers and sales tax provides a lot of money to local budgets. Yes, it does. 
So they're going to have to sit down. I don't care if they're leftist. I don't care if they're right winger. I don't care if they're independent. If they are a person that can work a calculator, they need to sit down and start looking at the reality that this homeless thing is costing us because it's not just the homeless. And then of course the drug programs and all that. We just had individuals arrested that had fentanyl pills. I don't know, right around new year's. Yeah. So that's another cost, the judicial cost, the public safety cost that this homeless crisis and this drug epidemic is costing us. I don't think we can continue down the same path, Mike. And I think that Stewart that wrote that article about that one incidence for housing for a hundred people being $55,000 a year. I think he's got valid complaint there. And I think the politicians should probably call up Stewart and say, Hey, you want to come join a task force to help solve this problem? Right. You betcha. Well, I can tell you, I don't know what the other service providers in uh, town are charging to run homeless shelters and things to that effect. But I can tell you that a standing rule of thumb with the city and what is perfectly acceptable for the city on a day-to-day basis, if we were charging 50 to $55 a day to house a homeless individual, that includes three meals, that includes laundry service, that includes, you know, your Band-Aids, your over-the-counter meds, and stuff like that that you would normally get, you know, at your Walgreens or Rite Aid, you know, for right. an upset stomach or, or whatever the case may be, a headache or whatever. 50 to 55 bucks a day per homeless individual was a good thumbs-up figure. But just... And that was just for the service provider. That wasn't for the the cost of outside resources and the building and the building maintenance. Exactly. And and rent and upkeep and putting up, you know, replacing windows and maintenance like that. This is just the hard cost. $55 $55 a day just for food. Yep. Basically. For food, laundry, bed, you know, as well as the staff that, you know, have to work in the shelter to provide that safety and security. Well, and you knew that rule of thumb because you were looking at organizations that got city contracts, but they got the city contracts because they were also the lowest cost provider. That is correct. So, that and, is correct. and that's, that's just for a homeless shelter. Now you look at transitional housing. Oh boy, um, that's a different story in itself. Well, look at how much money we've spent. It seems like to me that we We've built a lot, hundreds and hundreds of units just in, in Northeast Spokane. Yeah. If we looked out in the Valley, if we looked over in other parts of Spokane County in the city, maybe even maybe over in North Idaho, we start looking at the low income units that we've built, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of them. We still don't have enough. Yeah, you bet. Well, I can tell you when when it was time for me to get out of office, I can tell you that the liberal majority in the Spokane City Council at that point went public and was driving the fact that we were short 18,000 units countywide at that time. At that time. You know, and then shortly thereafter, they changed their tune and we're now looking at 36,000 units short across the county. How did we do that? And, And that's units for workforce housing. That, that's not for poor people. That's for everybody. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, you know, when you're looking at... I mean, it's got to be, man. How, how, how can you go and double that number in less than six months? Well, and then it's probably doubled again. And Unless doubled you again. were telling a lie to begin with. <laughs> well, I mean, we, we had, you know, in the previous mayoral administration, I mean, and, and you look at the county government, they're, you know, trying to invite more and more employers to the region, right? So yep. you have more and more employers, you have a growing region, you need more housing. And with that, you know, they bring their drug addict relatives with them sometimes, right? Yeah, I suppose. So, you know, there's a growing problem there. And then, of course, it's it's not like we've had a beacon 
flashing in Spokane County that says, hey, if you're just a drug addict, don't come here. I mean, come on. We've, I mean, it's like the drug cartels run the streets in lots of communities in the, in the region, right? Yeah, that's for sure. So we're just going to see this problem become exponentially worse. We can't have numbers that look six figures, like you said, Inslee administration said, oh, yeah, it's going to be $120,000 for a homeless person. Wait a minute, that's just the state budget. What about all of the local spending? Yeah, I'd like How to make one hundred and twenty grand a year. I mean, who would? Well, one hundred and twenty—that's that's not going to do it, Mike. I mean, when you talk about just the the mental health services, when you talk about welfare, you talk about you know food stamps and such. Then you talk about the service providers. That I mean, we're talking, we're going to be spending up to three hundred thousand dollars per homeless person. If you look at Camp Dope. So Camp Dope, they said there were 600 people there, right? Yeah. Well, we know that there wasn't that many people for the most part. Maybe there was probably lots of people visiting there because that's where their drug dealer was at. That's where exactly. dr- the drug dealer parked right across the street, the same place where he got arrested, right? So just, you know, a couple of weeks ago. So we look at the the number of people that are there. How many millions of dollars have now been put towards Camp Dope and you're talking about extra security because, you know, do we get a police officer that sits outside our neighborhood? Does every city block have a police officer that sits there most of the time, no. waits to serve us? And, no, not no, at no, all. No. But we pay for that. So you got the police coverage. You've got the theft, the damage to the community. We should, maybe we should ask Fred Meyer, i.e. Kroger, how much loss they've had at the Fred Meyer on 3rd. When you talk about the road construction project that was there in that corridor, you look at all of those costs, we're way, way into the two dollars $300,000 range. For oh, Camp we got to be. We got to be, man. I mean, because you left a, a bunch of things off, like the vandalism and the theft of the contractor's tools. Right. Yeah. What the about the residential uh, yeah, properties? Yeah. Vandalism and theft of the business complex that's right down the street. Yeah. You know, the uh, Tapio Center, if you will. Oh, the Tapio Center. Oh, yeah. yeah lots at, of damage. At least they got three, flooded. four, $500,000 in damage. Yeah, you know, a lot the, of damage there. Yeah, yeah, big time. Well, it was just right and then around of course you've got the years, residential. There was a couple other buildings that burned down there that were, you know, kind of commercial buildings not being used, but, they, you know, they got burned. Still, I mean, it's property, you know, yeah. property has value. So it's a problem that I think our politicians are going to have to deal with. They're not going to be able to run away from it. They're not going to be able to create a new tax or just open up a few new jail cells or a few more homeless beds to solve it. They have a spending problem that obviously if people see how much money's getting thrown out there, they want to be part of the homeless industrial complex. And if they can't get a job in it, they can join them and then get a job. Because that's, <laughs> that's kind of what we're seeing too. I mean, I think some of the paid security at Camp Dope were actually residents at one point. Uh, they could very well have been. And I have definitely seen some shelters where that has happened. Right. Okay. Right. So, I mean, not the not the one that I was affiliated with. Well, but, you and know, I mean, if, if you see somebody that cleans up their act, and you're like, "Well, we need personnel. We need somebody to clean up that over there." I mean, obviously, you're going to hire people that are in front of you that yeah. need a, a job out of poverty. But this complex, the cost, it's worse than almost most. It's worse than most government spending. I mean, of course, we know that the military. You know, you get that four hundred dollar hammer that you could go buy for twenty bucks, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, big time. So we see government waste that way, but how many more? more complexes of institutions can government continue to fund and this one's a big one because we see it every day it's we see it on our way to work you see it on your way to church yeah you see it when you know you're you're afraid to let your daughter go out and walk the dog exactly so i i just that's the a cost we needed to cover that because a, a resident decided to be brave enough to put it in the local newspaper just on one little tiny issue that's making him mad Fifty-five thousand dollars a year. 
I, we can't spend that. And you know what? I can make a wonderful, educated guess as to where this individual is from in town, and I would have to say that they are reside in the West Hills neighborhood. Well, probably, because this issue is staring them in the face, and they've only heard nasty stories from other areas that things like this have been parked in. You know, not only are we spending there, you're also spending in your quality of life. You're going to raise your family with homeless camps where drug addicts are strung out, wandering the streets all night long. I don't think so. I don't, no. I don't, I think you're going to lose stores and people that pay taxes and it becomes a problem that's compounded that they have to sit down and can't continue to be soft on crime. In fact, the legislature is getting together to talk about how they're going to deal with drug offenses in the future because of the Blake decision. I think the state right. legislature that might need to deal with that it. and police pursuits too, I understand is on the docket for discussion. Yeah. So we'll just have to wait so and see how problems, all of that unfolds. Big spending, but we're out of time for today. You bet. That being said, Mike and Tim are out of here today. We'll be back at you and in your face again tomorrow. Bye-bye.